Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Mainline, where we seek to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for Philadelphia's historic mainline and surrounding communities. Every week, we look again to the story of the Bible, the lavish grace of God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website, libertymainline.org. Good morning, Liberty Church Mainline. It's good to see you this morning. I am Matt, the pastor here at Liberty, and want to extend a welcome if I have a chance to. If you're visiting, I want to say hello. We will have refreshments afterwards. I hope that you're able to stay and partic- uh, participate in those. Uh, there are a number of announcements that are in the back inside cover of your worship folder, some events and activities, especially uh, social gatherings. Uh, we've been invited to join picnics with St. Mary's, our host church. Uh, during the summer. We also have uh, events that we're going to be having. Um, The next one is July 8th. You can see that there's going to be a Liberty Kids Ministry outreach, uh, and we need shoe boxes for that, so there's a lot going on. I do encourage you to take a moment to look over those at some time later today or this week. But my uh, great privilege this morning is to introduce our preacher. Uh, Michael Chen is going to be delivering God's word to us. Um, Mike was a classmate of mine in college. We were in uh, the same Bible study. Some of you know um, Jim Anger from Liberty uh, Collingswood. We were all three of us in the same Bible study together. Uh, And uh, I've had the honor of uh, worshiping together with Mike when he was doing his seminary studies. We were at the same church in New Jersey as well. Uh, Mike has been doing uh, campus ministry in the Philadelphia area for the past 13 years, first with CCO and then the last three years with uh, Impact Ministry, which serves students of color on campuses, uh, and is currently working on his PhD in family marriage and family integrative therapy. Uh, he guest preached for us in the fall, did a fantastic job. I wasn't here, but I got through the wonders of technology. I was able to enjoy the word you delivered, and I'm excited for you, Mike, to bring God's word for us today. Thank you, Mad. It's good to be here. Always good to be with God's people. Uh, and yes, that 90s Bible study. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, along with um, really um, spirited participation in a um, really awkward basketball pickup league as well. Um, just provided the context for <laughs> wonderful memories. Uh, and really the context to talk about Jesus together in a really profound way that really shaped my life. Um, not really growing up in the church, finding people um, in the context of, of campus ministry, um, ardent followers, um, seeking after uh, what it means to follow Jesus in this world um, was profoundly shaping. And so Matt and Rebecca, um, definitely part of that story for me. And so I want to talk about Jesus. Um, I also want to read scripture. Is it appropriate to stand? Or is it? Yeah, let's, let's stand as we, as we read the scripture together. From John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. 
Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things that you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, o Christ. Christ. Uh, you can be seated. So I want to talk about Jesus. Uh, and when you're in the church, it might seem like a good thing, a straightforward thing. But when we stop and look at Jesus, things always seem to get more complex. When we look at Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, interacting even with the religious folk, things become more complex and yet somehow more beautiful. Jesus, his life, his ministry, the ways in which he lived. There's always more. There's always something of Jesus' life beckoning us to more. It's interesting to think about what Jesus might say to the church today. It's interesting to think if Jesus showed up, would we recognize him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Our text of scripture today gives the context for this very well-known verse. A verse with a lot of religious, cultural resonances. It's posted on billboards, signs at football games, pamphlets, flyers, shouted by street evangelists. Even if you've been to In-N-Out Burger in California, you will see John 3.16 as you bite into your juicy hamburger. And perhaps you are meant to understand the taste of the patty to be a foretaste of heavenly glory. <laughs> Certainly, eternal salvation in the eternal, eternal salvation and in, in, in uh, being rescued from the eternal fire is necessary to be saved from punishment, judgment. To be saved from, yes, but what in the world are we saved for? So I want to speak to the difference that Jesus makes in John 3. So first of all, he's speaking to religious people. Nicodemus, the Pharisees, represented the religious folk, the religious elite, who saw themselves uh, in a very real sense as guardians, guardians of tradition, guardians of Torah, of the law of a certain political, religious way of life. They were set, out, set up to protect, to purify the tradition. No Gentiles, no foreigners, no outsiders that could potentially corrupt 
And Jesus comes along and says, it's not so much what you're doing, but what you're not able to see. You literally cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the life of God and the fullness of time, the promised one, here now, standing right in front of you. Said to the religious folks, you need new eyes. You must be born again. You must be ushered into a new way of thinking, renewed and remade. And just as Jesus engaged Nicodemus, I I believe the Spirit of God wants to engage us and desires to expose those places in us, our values, the ways in which we cannot yet see the kingdom of God. So it comes with with gentleness and kindness, but to expose. To expose our biases, the things we refuse to see, to reckon with. There's been a lot of news about the five wealthy travelers in the submarine implosion, but very little news about the 500 migrants who died at sea around the same time. Our country's history of enslavement, of racial injustice, exploitation around labor, I I think puts us more in the category of Egypt than of the promised land flowing with milk and honey for all. But we see what we want to see. We structure our lives around that which confirms our way of life. When the reality is there's so much we are unwilling to see. And we get busy with Netflix. Consumed with YouTube shorts. Jesus says to Nicodemus, how are you not seeing this? You are a leader. Of course, there's John 3.16. But before John 3.16, there's John 3.14. And John 3. 15, to help Nicodemus. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Very obscure reference to a somewhat troubling, mystifying passage in the book of Numbers, where God's people are in the wilderness having just destroyed the Canaanites, They grumbled against God, and as we all do, complained about the food. Grumbled against God, and God being God, sent poisonous snakes, biting many of the Israelites. And in their dying, Moses prays on behalf of the people for mercy. And the Lord instructs Moses then, again, so bewildering, to fashion a bronze serpent, Attach it to a pole, lift it up for the people to see that anyone who would look upon the serpent would live. And this is why I love Jesus. The mystery. Serpents, vipers, snakes from ancient times till now are terrifying, mysterious. Some cases, as in the case of Numbers, 
dangerous for the people of God at that time in the wilderness. Serpents were associated with death. And as Moses lifts up the serpent in the wilderness, this serpent is also the one that holds the power of life, of resurrection power. Serpents, because of their nature, shedding old skin, putting on the new, were also a symbol of wisdom, of rebirth, of healing. So in this, Jesus is calling Nicodemus to a new birth, even as a religious leader, and calling us to renewal and new birth. What does this new birth entail? I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. Amen, baby. That's my baby girl. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Yes, we want to say amen to that. But the second part of the Philippians 3, I don't know if we want to say that. Yes to that. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Yes, we want to say yes to the triumph of the resurrection, but how many of us want to say yes? The fellowship of sharing in suffering. But if there is anything distinctive about us, it is that we are a particular people and becoming a particular people through bearing in our bodies death. What always comes with death and loss, grief. And bearing in our bodies resurrection. And what comes with resurrection, hope and gratitude. This is the wisdom. This is the mystery. This is the power of Jesus as a new and true and greater serpent being lifted up. And without a doubt, if I ever own a restaurant or coffee shop or a Christian t-shirt company, John 3.14 will be printed everywhere. So what is it that must be lifted up for you? The cross and Jesus It's more than talisman or a mere symbol or an artifact, but a lived reality in our bodies and in our gathering as a body. As the Son of Man was lifted up, what must be lifted up for you? What must be lifted up for us? What is it that we must look at in order to be healed? So I want to get very practical here. In my work as a, I see myself as a pastoral counselor in seeing individuals and couples. Shame is a very complex reality. In the Chinese language, there are 113 shame-related words, meaning the culture I'm from, born into and figuring out the meaning of still, 
There's a lot of complexity in the internal experience of shame, but also how it functions in a family, how it functions in society. When I meet individuals and couples in pastoral meetings, whether or not they would actually use the word shame as they share about their lives, trying to hold things together. Shame is there. Like the serpent in the wilderness, it's complex and terrifying. And again, while they may not use the word shame, you see it, you feel it in an eye roll, a grunt. And shame, like the serpent, is inviting us to engage, to look, to heal, to be reborn. Shame is a place of haunting, of memory. So where we come to name ourselves, to take in cursing, the place of loneliness, the place of exile, it's the place where we come to make vows never to be seen, never to be exposed, never to feel, Anger, rage rise up in us when we feel that shame will be exposed. Shame is so much the playground of evil. And yet, if we were to follow that trail of shame, both in our individual lives but together as a community, with compassion, with kindness, to lift our eyes to it, in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert as God's people looked on the serpent for their healing, there would be something of us that could be healed. Last week, Father's Day, knowing that my tendency is to avoid and to minimize myself, it was very much a grace to have room, to make room, to feel the weight of being a father, a father of two boys, ages 13 and 11, who I only see part-time in a co-parenting custody arrangement. To feel the grief of the loss of that time. And now as a father of a beautiful daughter, there is resurrection life, so much gratitude And I looked at pictures of my younger self being held by my father and allowed grief to come as I thought about the reality also of what unfolded in subsequent years in domestic violence and divorce. Growing up, allowing myself to feel the loss of love. And also, looking at pictures of my now old, old father holding our baby girl. And I wept. Yes, for the moments of death and loss. But I also wept with gratitude and hope for all that is and all that will be. And in that lifting up of memory, of image, of picture, and the remembering something of Christ's wisdom 
mercy, tenderness seeped through tears. And it enabled me to see the kingdom of God. What needs to be lifted up in your life? What needs to be lifted up in this community? That God's power, mercy, might heal. Look to the cross. This Roman symbol of shame as a source of your healing. And in fixing your gaze upon Jesus, may there be infinite mercy and tenderness in what is exposed in your story and in your scars that they may become both glorious and beautiful. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being lifted up. Thank you for your infinite mercy, your infinite power that you would expose areas in us that we are unwilling to go, unwilling to see. And yet in your invitation, your gracious invitation, there is hope. There is so much hope. So we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness today, yesterday, today, and forever. And we ask your spirit would bring us to new places of freedom, of hope. We pray this in this powerful son, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope that either through or in spite of the human messenger, you heard the gracious invitation of God to the abundant life of love and service found in the transforming person and work of Jesus. If you've been encouraged by this podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, or subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, check us out at libertymainline.org.